Hello, I'm an adult. And I'm young. And you're listening to Young Adult. Where we're reading through The Well of Ascension by Brandon Sanderson. Today we're reading chapter 23. I stride in the room all young and hip. So, the snippet for this one is, I think, the shortest we've had yet, which goes, The terrorists rejected him, but he came to lead them. I almost wonder, could this be another one of the signs of a hero somehow, but... I mean, how would that relate to Vin? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, you could say she was rejected by her society, kind of, and she's kind of in a leadership position now. She's not... Number one, but that could easily change if uh, her. Well, he's not married to her, but if Elen did get captured or otherwise disappear, leadership could easily fall on Vin. Or die in battle mm-hmm. at the end of this book. Or that. I don't know. I, I, Admittedly, I'm not sure that the city quite qualifies as having rejected her either. I mean. Not really, I don't think. Yeah, like, there are there are some ways in which it's rejected her, but there's nothing super clear-cut, you know? No point at which they said, no, Vin, we don't like you. <laughs> I mean... Like, the old leadership, you know, arrested her and stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, her situation isn't really the same as his situation yeah, was. Yeah, I think... The most clear-cut way I could see this would be if Elen gets captured and the council rejects Vin as leader, but then end up changing their mind because she's so awesome. Maybe. I don't know. It seems pretty likely that this isn't actually even one of the, the signs of a hero or whatever, but... It's just a short, dramatic statement. Yeah. I think it is worth noting. I don't think we knew that the terrorists rejected him. We knew, like, a few specific terrorist people were rejecting him right at the end. But I think we assumed he was kind of welcomed at the beginning. Yeah. As, you know, the prophesized hero. So it's it's not totally clear what this refers to either in in the life of the uh the hero of ages or the alleged hero of ages. Mm. We'll we'll find out later perhaps. So this chapter mostly consists of everybody sitting around learning about what Sasset has seen. I had forgotten so a couple times in this chapter, Elen comments on how Vin has Orisor with her. I had actually forgotten that he knew Orisor was Orisor, like that the dog was Orisor. Because is he the only one she's told that? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I figure she'll probably tell Sasset. I, I definitely remember last chapter she was, like, keeping it a secret, even as she learned that uh, Ham was legit. Yeah, I think she was like, "Oh, yes, you you startled my hound." He I think he tends to bark in an unsettling way like that sometimes. I think Elend is the only one who knows because I remember when she showed him or when she told him. Yeah, I I had forgotten about that. I was I was surprised when he <laughs> when he showed he knew it, but yeah, the, I, she she did she did tell him. I just forgot about it. I figure she'll probably tell Sazed as well. Could do. Could do. I don't know, does she necessarily trust Sazed more than the other crew members? I would say so. Maybe. Certainly he's <laughs> uh, 
less likely to be a cadre than the others, but yeah. As they're chatting, and again, like, so I have I have a lot of notes, I guess, in this chapter that are just like random details. But uh, Spook is flirting unsuccessfully with a random kitchen wench, whatever you want to like some 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 servant girl. She's referred to as a drowsy kitchen girl. Doesn't doesn't say wh- <laughs> anything else about her. Uh, that just struck me as interesting because like. Up until now, I kind of assumed he was hung up on Vin. I kind of thought he was over Vin. I don't know. I, I guess this suggests he is. Or he, at least he's trying to get over Vin. Yeah, it's funny. Like, when he first showed up, I had assumed he was coming back in his role as, like, love interest. Like, he's, if anything, there's been grown no... into that role further. But yeah, there's been nothing between them since he came back, pretty much. I mean, we're, what, 300 pages into this book, and I don't think there's been so much as a flirty glance yeah, it's it's, it's funny. I really thought when he came back, like, oh, he's you know he's grown up a bit. He's handsomer. He's dropped the accent. You were hoping for a love square, were you? Well, I don't know. I just assumed we were getting yeah, a love square. Or I mean, that was it. Wasn't even maybe as clear that uh, the Watcher was going to be a love interest at that point. Maybe, but but now you're sad because there's no love square. Again, I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm just surprised. You seem sad. Um, yeah, so Saza comes in and tells them about the third army of 20,000 Kalos, which mm. they all completely freak out about because <laughs> 20,000 Kalos is quite a lot of Kalos. Yeah, we get some hard numbers about how, like, roughly how many Kalos equal, like, a, a human in battle. It seems to be, like, one to four. Yeah. Apparently, 500 Kalos equal 2,000 men. Like, there was a specific battle where that happened yeah. recently. So um, so they would need all of their armies together, pretty much, to actually defeat these yeah. 20,000. Now, I feel like it's worth uh, focusing on this. So, the specific battle is what happened when Set initially succeeded in recruiting the Kalos in his region. And then they turned on him. And he lost 20,000 of his men, killing his... 2,000. Sorry, yes, 2,000 of his men killing his 500 Kalos that had joined him. So, that's that's interesting. <laughs> There's a lot you could possibly unpack from that. The first point is... Other people have figured out how to control them well, previously? Well, maybe, yeah. It, it seems like, at the very least, it's possible to get them to work with you without maybe knowing the secret of controlling them. Or, he did know the secret of controlling them, and it's just not that reliable. One of the two. Although... He can't have been using the same secret that the Lord Ruler was using because, you know, the Lord Ruler controlled them for a thousand years, it seems like. The other thing about this, which is a little notable, is that, I don't know if you remember this, but you had predicted that all the Kalos in the world were in Jastez's army, that he just found all the Kalos in their, like, one village where they live or whatever. Well, it seems like maybe now he has got them all if the others died. I think, I think we could call this falsifying that i feel like the prediction was all or most i'm not certain about that but i think the prediction was all slash most um and i think it's safe to say he is well most of them. This, this this also they also talk about another incident in the south where other colors went crazy after the Lord where's died. your proof that he doesn't have the southern ones exactly i'm not 100 percent sure i think okay maybe we won't i actually this was part of why I made sure that we went over the predictions 
because I had read th- I had read to this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, before before this episode, we went over our prediction list and did as we often do, and finally got around to filling in the percentages on the predictions for several chapters in a row. Um, I so I, I I left that one blank because I knew the answer to it. I thought I felt. I think it's fair to say that most is correct. If if Seth had the the northern ones and he had five hundred, compared to twenty thousand, seems like he has most of them. Yeah, but we don't know how many are in other places, and clearly there are others in other places. I can I can, I can check the exact wording. I if think... it says most, then I take it as a win, for now. I mean, we won't we won't like consider it answered because we don't actually have any numbers. But I consider it to be. I would consider this pretty much confirmation. Okay, see, it, it was all slash most, but <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I don't think this qualifies. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It doesn't qualify necessarily as confirmation, but it's definitely not enough to disregard it at all. I think it backs me more than it backs you. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll we'll hold off on declaring that disconfirmed. I guess. Um, Weirdly, throughout this chapter, they keep saying that Justice is too unstable that they can't possibly reason with him. I don't really get where they're getting that impression. Well, Alain knew him for ages, so maybe he just knows he's unstable. No, but they they say, like, Sazed... Sazed, like they say, Sazed's report doesn't give me much hope we'll be able to reason with Justice. I didn't really get any impression from his report that Justice was particularly unreasonable. I mean... Just says is definitely kind of dumb. And he seemed, he seemed, and he seemed stressed, but he didn't do or say anything that seemed particularly like it closed off the possibility of working together. He literally pitched with them working together. <laughs> now, yeah, he had some inaccurate assumptions about the fact that there was a huge pile of treasure, but that doesn't mean that he'll necessarily be uh, against still striking a deal. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason for him not to, I don't think. Um, another, another totally random minor detail that I made a note of was what they're eating is steamed barley with strips of steak and some spiced laggettes. So steamed barley is a real dish. That's a thing people eat. I don't know what a legate is. Yeah, so I'm not surprised because it's not a thing. I looked I looked it up and the first result was uh, from a misborn wiki called the Coppermine, which is a cool name for a wiki. Um, so yeah, clearly it's a it's a misborn thing. It's not like a an existing dish. Well, I feel less stupid now, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly assumed it was a dish that I just hadn't heard of. That's why part of why I looked it up. It sounds like a French dish or something. Yeah, it sounds very plausible name. Okay, so you, you have a couple of points before my next point, so we can talk about your stuff. Yeah, so just kind of a small detail that we've mentioned the last time it was talked about is it's mentioned that Elend is penning his letter to talk to, I've forgotten their name, the Senate or whatever. Hmm. Uh, yeah, the, I don't know, Assembly, Council, Parliament? The I Assembly. It's the Assembly, I think. I, I knew they had a title, but I wasn't like, wasn't 100% confident in exactly what it is. But he's trying to pitch to them that he's only meeting his father informally, so 
it's not a parlay. Yeah. So do you think that'll be accepted? I guess we... Maybe, yeah, I, I guess we didn't make a formal prediction of that, did we? I, I don't think it's going to be accepted. I also don't think it's going to be accepted. I, I, think... sh- I should probably put that on a prediction list, because yeah, we, we've outright said before that it doesn't seem like this is going to be accepted. I mean, you can put it down as one now, because, yeah, I feel like this is going to end badly. So my next point yeah, was... Yeah, they do, they do talk about... Yeah. Uh... My next point was, does more armies actually mean more advantage for our team, or... Is it just more trouble? Because they seem to think it's a, a, you know, an advantage for them that the Kalos have arrived. I think Elend puts it something like, you know, as long as the other people are fighting and we aren't, that's better for us. But I think it's more reason to worry than it is to celebrate, because twenty thousand Kalos could probably wipe everyone out if if it was played right. So, okay, we know one army is 50,000 men. I think both armies are around 50,000. Yeah, so if they teamed even. up... So, if it's 5 to 1, I guess that's a, that's about even, yeah. Yeah, I think... And the army that they have... Well, no, but, no, but it was it was, it was, it was, 4, was 4 to, to 1. 1 was what the ratio but I'm saying like. if they don't team up, then it's possible that the Kalos would go through one army easier than the other maybe I'm and not then make it through sure the other how i mean yeah i, I guess... mean these aren't going to be exact figures that's true that's true i mean 500 kalos fighting 2000 men might be a lot more overwhelming than 20,000 kalos fighting 50,000 men that's a good point they wouldn't be as heavily outnumbered and in fact it was it, it was it's worse than that because the kalos were fighting set's whole army i think and they killed 2000 of them yeah. So they were actually really heavily outnumbered. Although, I'm not sure, like, there's a certain point at which, if you're totally surrounded, like, does it really matter if you're more outnumbered than that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, a tactician or whatever, but... I'm just saying, I think I would be more worried about the Kalas than I would be happy that they might be around fighting other people. Yeah, it... So this chapter does really emphasize the whole Kalos are uncontrollable thing. Yeah. We hear about two examples of them going rogue and just attacking people randomly. Um, Elaine seems really, really worried about the idea of having them nearby. Which does weigh against the whole idea, oh, we could just have them in our walls and have them as our defenders thing, which was what Jastis seemed to be pitching. That seems like a terrible idea. It seems very dangerous, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the worst idea. Maybe that's why they think he's unstable. Yeah, maybe. Because it's just such a such an obviously risky play. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're letting these super unstable creatures inside your walls. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, does, it does seem risky, but... So does everything they're doing, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, my next point was more minor. It's just that Breeze's name apparently is Ladrian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I marked that as a note to talk about as well. Yeah, apparently that's just his name. I, I guess it's his first name. They don't, they don't really say. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I can't remember. When they call people Lord, do they say their first name? or the... They do I, both sometimes. Yeah, because uh, I know Elaine definitely gets called Lord Venture. 
some he point does. in this. I think he has been called Lord Delend. I think so. I, now that you say it, maybe not. I, I I had been kind of I kind of think of Justice as his name, but actually that is his surname. So I think I think even his friends just call him Justice. But yeah, so yes, I'm not, I'm not sure which this is. <laughs> I now that I think about it, maybe I'm wrong about them having used people's first names when they do the the Lord thing. But again, I don't really know. Like, Sunset also calls Justice King Justice. Where is all this title stuff coming from? Like, these are not real titles. There hasn't been a king in a thousand years. If anything, he should be called General Justice because he has an army. General would make sense. Lord would be his title, I, I guess. Think. Yeah, I mean, king. the Lord Ruler, even the Lord Ruler was the Lord Ruler. Like, he wasn't the Emperor or something. I, don't I guess. Know. I guess you can't really call yourself lord ruler without being the lord ruler <laughs> so i guess i see why they need to fall back on other titles but i don't know i mean he, he had a thousand years to refine it to the yeah i the mean most scary name he yeah, could think of yeah sure but like the idea that just because he works for the king in a close capacity he's now lord Breeze, which is what what they which he's what what that's what says it switches to when he complains he doesn't like people using his real name. <laughs> like he's not a lord; he's just a friend of a guy who's declared himself king. You're not going to call him Mister Breeze, though, are you? I would just call him Breeze, I guess. Uh, I don't have problems. There's no. With him I'm just saying. There's lord. no. There's no rules here. Says it is making up rules. There's no real rules. But regardless, apparently Breeze hates being called Ladrian, and <laughs> it is quickly switched back to Breeze. Mm. So this about this point, slightly before that, they switch over to a new topic, still receiving Sassid's report, but this time his report on the whole mist business. Yep. So they talk a bit about how you can tell whether something is the mists versus just regular fog. Uh, they, they, they mention a few different points about this, but the one I found most interesting was that Clubs points out that it can't enter buildings or tents. It just evaporates. I don't know. That seems... Suspicious? Yeah, well, it reminds me a bit of, like, the whole vampire thing where they can't enter a dwelling. I mean, that's a common thing with, like, supernatural creatures, that they can't enter a house without permission or can't cross a threshold. There's a lot of variations on that, I think. Adds a bit of tension to the myths. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, that, yeah, obviously there's, it makes for a good sort of horror image, the, the monster prowling around outside your house. And the, the innocent person who accidentally invites them in. Mm, yeah. Although, I mean, I don't know what you're going to say to Mist. Yes, Mr. Mist, you can float in my door. Yeah, well, the permission aspect doesn't seem to be here so much, but the, the fact that it, specifically disappears when it's indoors i don't know i mean in fairness i'm not sure how true that is of regular mist as well it might be somewhat true <laughs> they do they do they they bring it up as a difference but i can't say i've ever seen like a room filled with fog after having left a window open or something but then again you don't really get fog that thick where we are yeah that often um i mean i think the thickest fog i've ever seen i could still see at least 10 feet in front of me so yeah, I I'm tr- I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just that I haven't experienced thick enough fog 
and had a window open at the same time. I, I think in places that get really, really seriously heavy fog, it would go in. Yeah, yeah, I probably would. I think. I've definitely seen that in, like, movies and stuff. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest reason I can think of why it wouldn't is just that houses are, like, warmer on the inside. Which might interfere with the fog. And it might be less easy to see with, like, bright lights in the house. Yeah, but yeah, it does seem like this is a specific difference. It's brought up as a specific difference, so at least in this world, we'll take it as a specific difference. Yeah, now, with that said, we have seen... I'm pretty sure I remember, like, cases where someone opened a window or, like, burst through a window or something, and some of the fog did come in. So, it's not, like, a hard boundary. Well, what Sazed says is that it evaporates soon after it comes in. Yeah, it's clubs, actually, says, but yeah. Or, yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Still, yeah, I, I, I definitely can buy that this is, like, a mystical thing. I guess trying to think like it do, it's not limited to dwellings i guess because there are other kinds of buildings but that's sometimes true of vampires and such like so uh another interesting little tidbit we learn from sazed here is that not only are has he seen these reports of you know the miskilling people but they've actually been moving inwards so it seems like at least according to him, it seems like they started out at like the edges of the empire, and they've been rippling inwards towards where the Lord Ruler died. Yep. So that's pretty interesting and suspicious. I mean, it doesn't like it. It doesn't really tell us anything, but it's it sure is suspicious. It seems like more confirmation that this is like a supernatural thing that happened when the Lord Ruler stopped protecting everyone somehow. It sure is spooky. And the Lord Ruler did categorically state as he died, you know, you'll never know what you've done. <laughs> well, like, well maybe that, that may, may have been wrong. <laughs> they, they know what they're, they're starting to know what they've done. Um, okay, you don't know what you're doing then. Yeah, yeah. I guess this does suggest that it's more a case of he was keeping it back than like that it's been unleashed by his death, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, not like he wasn't keeping it sealed in a box, yeah, or whatever, like in the well of ascension or something. Like this is something that that he had driven back, maybe. Unless the well of ascension is in the outer dominance. Well, it's the outer dominances. It's like they're rippling inwards. I don't know. Sazed questions the fact that it might be related to Lord Ruler in his mind later, and everyone else dismisses it pretty much. <laughs> yeah, says it spends a lot of time like, oh, maybe I'm just crazy. But as a reader, it seems yeah, it's, like it's... It's very clear. That's what it is. Yeah. Vin still doesn't bring up what she's seen. I feel like Vin is going to have, like, a secret conversation with Sazed at some point. Well, she she does say she's going to tell that, I think. So, we'll see Question how that plays out. But <laughs> she, does, she does say, like, oh, I'll tell you later. Hey, by the way... There's this ghost that, like, zapped me or whatever. Mm. Also, there's this guy I keep fighting in the mists, and I've been having flirty fights with him. <laughs> yeah. So, as they're chatting, Aurian shows up. Now, who is Aurian, you may ask? <laughs> <laughs> because she, she's not very memorable. But uh, that's the Lord Set's daughter, in, in case you actually have forgotten. Um, 
and she is like, oh, I heard you guys talking. What? What? Why didn't you invite me down? You invited her down, the other girl. Nobody, Doesn't... nobody responds to that. But like, come on. <laughs> she's she's the girl who killed the Lord Ruler and is the personal bodyguard yeah. to the King of Luthadel. Also, she's been a part of our group the whole time. You literally arrived yesterday. Yeah, no one cares about you, Irene. <laughs> You're not a member of our group. You are someone we're keep, we're, well, we have a guest. She says, oh, is there a party? I heard voices. And Elen basically goes in his mind, yeah, the guest quarters are nowhere near where we are right now. There's no way she heard anything. <laughs> yeah. He also... unless, unless, I suppose, she's a, a Tinai. Yeah, I did wonder about that. Uh, but um, later on, he says that he thinks she heard the servants coming to like prepare their stuff. So that also seems plausible. Or that she's just a spy and she was sneaking around anyway. Yeah, but well, because he makes his other point that makes him suspicious of her is that she's gotten fully dressed, but her hair is still messy. So like she took the time to get dressed, but didn't bother to fix her hair as if she was trying to make herself seem more like she'd just woken up. Uh, and interestingly, Vin a little bit later, says the exact same stuff as Elena. He's like super impressed when he goes, oh yeah, I already picked up on that. So, that was Kind cute. of a cool moment. Yeah. Ruined, of course, by Elend thinking to himself, what isn't she telling me? <laughs> I don't even really know, Vin. I don't understand her. Which, I think there is this brewing feeling or atmosphere that Elend and well, Vin are going to have some sort of fight, maybe? Maybe. I, I think... So he's wondering why Vin was, like, so interested in what Sazib was saying, I guess. And she he's also a little confused by the fact he shows up with Orisor, despite having made it pretty clear she hated Orisor up until now. I don't know. I, I Further evidence of lack of communication between these two, and something is going to happen with that. I refuse to believe that it'll just be like that for the next, like, two books. Yeah. It's an unsustainable I, so relationship. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm overly optimistic here, but so he does say to her, you know, what did you think of what Sazed said? And she goes, I'll tell you later. I, maybe I'm overly charitable here. I assume she actually was going to tell him and this will all come out. I'm not so optimistic. Yeah, maybe we'll make that into a prediction. <laughs> I think it could just be another moment where one of them brushes off something the other says and then yeah, they never could say be. anything again. It could be. <sighs> uh, but in fairness, I mean, she does openly... I mean, it's reasonable for him to wonder what she's not telling him when she's basically said that there's something she's not telling him and she's going to tell him later. Very, very bad. Yeah, so then we switch to Sazed's perspective. And... Yeah, so I don't really have notes so much on Sazed's perspective, but I did wonder the second we switched his perspective, and he was just, he was walking to his bedroom, and he notices there's a light, and it turns out to be Tyndall, but in my head I was like, no one actually told Sazed that we saw that possibly one of them is a Kandra spy. Yeah, it's funny, I had a similar reaction slightly earlier. When he is walking alone with a servant back to his room, I really thought that servant was the spy, and I still kind of do. I don't know why, but you I, know, I just was filled with certain. I had a similar reaction even earlier than your similar reaction. That was <laughs> earlier than my reaction. Oh, because it's mentioned at one point, and this is this is so suspicious that the head chef 
insisted on coming down and cooking the meal with them. Hum. I so guess. that means the head chef was in the room with them as they discussed these important things. I guess that's true. He insisted on doing it personally. Now, they were deliberately discussing things a bit away from the servants. Is that but, paranoia? Uh, Probably. Yeah, Probably. no, that, that's an interesting theory. I don't think we've heard about the head chef before, so... Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Something about this servant. I mean, this servant does nothing. They don't even get a name, but... This servant just... This servant walks with Sazed. Yeah, something about this scene. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was intentionally... Something about this scene it's, was written to increase I feel like it's tension. intentionally a little bit spooky. Yeah. It feels a little bit... Sazed walking uh, along a dark corridor to his room. He got the servant there. And when he gets there, there's a light on already. Someone's in there. Yeah, well, the light is definitely intended to be a little bit spooky. But yeah, I feel like but someone... even before that, I was I was feeling really worried. I I still kind of think... I don't know why... I don't know what... If maybe, I'm, maybe I'm totally crazy here, but I feel like there's something... Something about this servant. I... I really think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction. This like it's not gonna have like a super high probability, but I honestly, at, in this moment, I am more confident that this servant might be the candor than I am any of the crew. Like what? What gave you this feeling? I don't know. I just something about this. I, I just I guess the fact that we'd already been talking about it being a servant. This just feels like a moment where later on. A story could be like, oh, yes, and you overlooked that servant, didn't you? But it was me all along. You know, you know the way, like, in stories when it's revealed that, like, there was a secret traitor or something, you'll get all these little flashbacks sometimes, and they'll show, like, all the moments where they were doing stuff. And it's That'll... like, oh, you, you, you overlooked all this stuff, but it, it was happening in plain view all the time. I feel like that would be a bad reveal unless the servant is built upon further. <laughs> I don't know. We I, didn't even get a name maybe, for this random again, servant. Maybe I'm just crazy. You can't, I don't know. <laughs> every, every time a servant not, shows up. I'm not I'm not saying I'm too confident in this. Like, I'm probably going to put like 10% or something on this, but... You've gone from, I'm too confident from, I am more confident in this servant than I am about anyone else that this servant is the Kandra because... Yeah, I said, I'm, yeah, but I don't, I'm not too, I'm not super confident in the Kandra being anyone specific. That's what I mean. Like, I'm more, I, I, I'm more suspicious of this servant than I am of anyone Maybe except Dachshun, but even Dachshun, I don't know. I, I feel like Dachshun might be... Calling him a red herring seems too strong because I haven't really been that much... It hasn't been super blatant, but... I'm not... Th- I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's not any of the crew because that perhaps, would involve killing off one of the crew for a start. Perhaps a hint towards Dachshun being the Kandra could be his overly emphasized dislike of Elend in this chapter where he sits... Uh, specifically far away from him as usual it said huh maybe pick up on that maybe that's the Kandra who'd studied that Dachshund tended to sit away from him and now makes a point of doing it every time I, I guess it could be uh, I'm making this up as I go I'm just <laughs> no, that, that I'm just a, pointing out to you that that is an interesting point you're right I just I guess the reason why I'm suspicious of this is that there's very few people outside the crew that we've had attention any attention drawn to and chef there's the chef, there's Demo we, we were a little suspicious of. Every time someone outside the crew is arguably, mentioned... Arguably Tim Will, although I kind of count her as one of the crew now. Every time someone is mentioned who isn't part of the crew... <laughs> yes, that's true. Anytime literally anyone is mentioned, we just become suspicious of them. Unless there's someone coming from outside. Because it doesn't seem likely that the Kandra would abandon its current identity and go off and become someone else. And then come back and be like... Oh, yes, I just arrived, so it can't possibly be me. 
That would be kind of smart, maybe. It would, but then whoever they were originally would disappear. That would be pretty obvious, right? Yeah. So, yes, anyway, the, the light is actually Tinwill. Uh, hanging out in Sass's room, waiting to talk to him. I guess she wasn't there for the big meeting with the debrief. Uh, so I, we, we've talked before about how we couldn't remember whether she'd come at Sazit's request or like the council's request. So I was right, basically. Yeah. She, he does specifically say to her, you responded to my request. And she says that he's ignored her request, which I think was just to do his job and not come back. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we get a little bit of interesting insight into Sazed during this. So it seems like we've heard that Sazed is like a little bit rebellious for a terrorist But nay, he is the most rebellious. He is just the worst. Well, apparently, so Tinwill at least considers him simultaneously the most disobedient and the most... terrorist Yeah. He's... She doesn't call him the most wise, but she says she's, like, super wise and calm. She doesn't understand why he keeps disobeying orders. He's not He's not one of the more rebellious-seeming ones. But he is, he is literally, on paper, the most rebellious. Yeah. This... I don't want to call this a retcon, but, like, this does, I guess, establish that we've previously thought of Sazed as, like, oh, he's rebellious for a terrorist which still makes him way less rebellious than a normal person. But this makes it seem like it's not that there aren't terrorist who are normally rebellious, like normal levels of rebelliousness. It's just that Sazed is simultaneously really polite and disobeys orders. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if we explicitly knew. I think we did know that he'd been ordered not to join the rebellion. Yeah. Um, they, they talk about that a little bit. And he's like, oh, the last time I disobeyed orders, I overthrew the empire. So... <laughs> deal with it and then in his mind he's like it's not like the synod is ever going to do anything because they can't really admit it but they all know that it was a big win for us hmm. they didn't want me to disobey but I did and then I overthrew the empire like a pro yeah I'm a little curious She she says must you defy every order you were given? Has he actually defied a bunch of other orders we haven't heard about? Well, it seems like this is two orders he's defied. Two big orders. I guess. Or at least one big order and this slightly less big order. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I like it when... So there's a... I, I remember reading once someone talking about like Star Wars and Star Trek. And how in Star Trek... When they expand on, like, a main character's species or, you know, planet or whatever, it always turns out that they're, like, a rebel relative to their species. Or, like, very different compared to their, to, the, to the normal people in their species. Mm-hmm. Whereas on Star Wars, whenever they expand on a, per- on a person's, like, home planet, it turns out that everyone there is exactly like them. Like, everyone from Han Solo's planet is basically just Han Solo. Everyone from Chewbacca's planet is just like Chewbacca. They all carry the same weapon and they all are the same, you know? (laughs) I don't know how totally accurate that is, but uh, it is an interesting difference in approach when it comes to, like, fleshing out these things. I mean... I I think I prefer the Star... You're forgetting 
the obvious example what? of not everyone in Jar Jar Binks's planet is a Sith Lord. Actually, you joke, but that is actually a good point that uh, Jar Jar Binks is like a super outcast from his people for being so goofy. Sith Lord. They all hate him. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. He, he, he is a counterexample. But in general, like when someone's a bounty hunter, like everyone from their planet is a bounty hunter <laughs> in Star Wars. Whereas when you've got like in, in Star Trek, you've got like Spock. He he's a Vul- he's like a Vulcan, but oh wait, actually he's like a half Vulcan. He's considered an outcast for being too human. And all the Vulcans hate him, and like, <laughs> or you know, you've got a Ferengi, but it's like oh, but they're considered a loser Ferengi by the other Ferengi. Like there's even Worf. Like his thing was that he was more Klingon than all the other Klingons. Like he was like taking it way further than everyone else and they were like dude we don't really go that far with it <laughs> he's like i am honor and they're like okay honor's great but we gotta we gotta win <laughs> he's like you have fallen away from the true path so i think i prefer the star trek approach in that it's more interesting i think to see there's like some contrast and some implication that like you know, not everyone from the same planet is is the same, you know? It, it, it emphasizes that they're all individuals to an extent. I, I think that's interesting. Uh, anyway, I'm just, I guess I'm just saying I like this. <laughs> <laughs> now, the second thing that must be addressed in this chapter is the palpable sexual tension between <laughs> Tindwell... <laughs> between Tindwell and Sasset. If you say so... Uh, I've already forgotten the examples, but they were like touched hands or something, and did they? And Sazed was like, "Oh, I know that dealing with Tinwell will be tiring or something." Oh yeah, finding someone tiring—that definitely. Now that's romantic. That is. I conclude that they are exes. They are, ex. Terrace lovers. Well, they do know each other, and... I think for me it was the the fleeting touch of hands. I don't think I even noticed that. <laughs> there was something earlier as well that I don't remember, but there was there was something else that made me think did, this. Did we know that Sazed had, like, written to people about this whole mist business he was investigating? Because Timbal knows about it. She's like, oh, you're still chasing after that foolishness about the mists. No, I don't think we knew this. Hmm. Yeah, it is interesting that he's been, like, in contact with her, I guess. I don't know if they're necessarily uh, exes. (laughs) Look, it's quite clear. (laughs) Sazed is an amazing terrorist right? He's just, she does seem very impressed with Sazed. He's this great guy, and she fell in love with him, and then he rebelled, and they were separated. Pulled apart, you could say. I guess I could see that. he was a passionate rebel. And now that he was proved to be awesome, they've rekindled the flame a little bit. Okay, so I... I don't want to. I don't want to feed this too much, but I will say that this is how Sazed describes Tinwill. She watched him with her normal hard expression, 
Others thought her cold, harsh even, but Sazed had never seen that in her. Considering what she had been through, whatever that means, he thought it remarkable, amazing even, that she was so confident. Where did she get it? So, I guess there's maybe something. <laughs> I mean, they're clearly... I, I don't know if I want to call them friends. I, they're, they're clearly friends or something. Um, yeah, this, this mention that she has like a tragic backstory is also a little interesting. Call me a romantic, but I think there's a spark there. I guess there could be. Part of why I'm not seeing this maybe is just that like, I picture Tinwill. I don't remember how she's been described, but I picture her as like McGonagall from Harry Potter or something. Like, <laughs> she's like the strict teacher. I don't know. I, I picture her as substantially older than the rest of the cast for whatever reason. Uh I'm not sure where I'm actually getting that, <laughs> but that's, I guess maybe just from like the stereotypical sort of teacherly vibe. Um, I mean, it's totally possible that there is something there, but that, that, that mental image that I have, which I'm not sure if that's based in anything may be throwing me off here a little bit. It probably isn't based on anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, the vibe I got here was more, yeah, that she's like a disappointed teacher who's like disappointed that Sazed is rebellious, is a rebellious young terrorist man and hasn't, you know, <laughs> you know, like she's she's like the disappointed mentor kind of. There's no way Sazed is young. He's he's at least he's not young, but he, I, I picture Sazed like forties. He's definitely older than say Vin, but I picture him as like the same age as the. As the main crew, basically. I picture, I picture like, them all as, like, 30s, maybe. I picture him in his 40s, like, just that bit older. A little more refined, cultured. Yeah, I guess my mental image of Sazed might have been sliding younger the more we've seen of him. As we hear about, like, oh, he's a rebel, he... Well, we know he's... He, he was quite uncertain. He was fighting uh, as a rebel for 10 years. That is a long time. I, didn't, I, I, I didn't, think that's, I did not remember that. And it's really you know, ten that, years. That's what it says. Huh. Okay. Find it if you want. Unless I've gone insane, which is possible. Because I happens all the time. Didn't he say earlier that like he had only known Breeze for as long as everyone else, or something, in this chapter? What does him knowing Breeze have to do with being a rebel? Well, I guess nothing, really. I mean, Kelsier was only in the picture for, like, two years or something. Yeah, I guess that's true. But he definitely didn't seem to have been working with, like, the rebellion that What's-His-Face was leading. You know, the one that they basically folded up and took control of. That uh, hired the crew to help them, <laughs> and then immediately just started working for them. Um, I mean, they, they didn't seem to have any connection with Sazed. So who was he? I, I guess I thought he was associated with Kelsier. But now that you say it, I don't How know. How could he have? Yeah, I mean, Kelsier's only been a rebel like very. That's true. That very short true. time. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure what the timeline is here. I guess it's possible that Sazed has been going around doing other rebel things for 10 years. Is, is that this book you think it was mentioned? Because I can search for the phrase 10 years. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You, you spent ten years working to overthrow the final empire. That's that, yeah, that's this chapter. Okay, that's why I remembered it. Huh. Now you can't content yourself with regular works. So you've invented some grand threat to the land. Yeah, I guess that. Uh... Oh goddamn it! I saw something. <laughs> I saw literally the answer to this question we're discussing. Sorry. <laughs> it doesn't matter just <laughs> wait the answer to the answer to the question of what the timeline is between Sazed and teaming up with everyone else uh, sorry yeah <laughs> is that a spoiler not really but <laughs> I I would feel bad if I if I said it because it's something from a later chapter well I'm, I'm sure we'll see it soon uh, the next the next use of the phrase 10 years yeah I have found the reason why I immediately thought there was some tension between them. Oh? Okay, so... Sazed, she replied as he stepped in, shutting the door. Suddenly, he was even more acutely aware of his dirty robes. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, he I mean, feels... that, that, that feels... So, you could take that as a romantic thing. But, again, that also fits my thing of, like, she's, like, his teacher. She's sort of higher ranking than him. <laughs> uh, if only you could see Young's expression at this moment. <laughs> the faces he's making as he gesticulates about <laughs> the, the the deep romantic implications of feeling embarrassed about having dirt on your clothes when you meet your superior. In what world is she his superior? She's definitely his superior. She called him the person who should be leading them. Yeah, but... He's not, is he? So she's his superior right now. I don't... So we speculated that part of her thing was that she, like, trained in... I think she I think she said that she was high-ranking. I, I know we speculated that she had trained in, like, ruling and expertise in how ruling works in order to be a leader for the terrorist people. I don't think that's been confirmed or anything. That was just our speculation. But I think part of why we thought that was that she did say she was high-ranking. She'd been pulled off of that to to teach a land. Here we go. Here is a the original description of Tinwell, which is what I've been looking up while, while we've been talking. Ellen met the woman's eyes. Older, perhaps 50. She wasn't beautiful, but neither was she homely. She was sturdy with a straightforward rectangular face. Her stare was calm and firm, and it made a land uncomfortable to hold it for long. So, not quite as old maybe as I was picturing, but... Similar enough to what I was saying. Perhaps 50. I said 40s. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, she's described as older and not super attractive. I I definitely think... Like, it's not impossible. I mean, as you said, Sazed isn't super young himself. But... I definitely think of her more as likely to be like an old teacher of Sazed's or something. That's, okay. that's the vibe I got anyway. Okay, okay, listen listen to the paragraph that I was driving, the, the hand thing. He smiled wanly, but did not answer. Tindwell sighed, rising. She walked toward the door, but paused, taking his hand as she passed. She looked into his eyes for a moment. Then he removed the hand. She shook her head and left. Hmm. There, maybe there's something there. Romance. Hmm. I close my case. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, my my mental image of her is 
not totally accurate. Like reading this, it, it, it slightly before that, it talks about her having like super stretched earlobes from the terrace uh, earrings, which I haven't been picturing correctly. But and I, I don't, I have a feeling that she has not been described as having her hair in a bun, which is how I picture it. <laughs> that is <laughs> like gray hair in a bun. That's just <laughs> that's just McGonagall. Yeah, that well, it, it's it's like the classic strict teacher look, isn't it? Isn't it? You just started picturing McGonagall. Definitely. She was introduced, and you went, "That is McGonagall." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean McGonagall is not the only character who. You're probably just picturing Maggie Smith. I am picturing her a little younger than Maggie Smith, to be fair. Okay, so favorites and least favorites. So what would you say your least favorite thing about this chapter was? Um, the miscommunication is... I do agree that it is starting to wear a little bit. You we've finally com- come around to my side, huh? We've, well, we've complained about this a lot. <laughs> um, Me perhaps a little more strongly than you. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to complain about in this chapter, so I guess I'm going to say that. Fair enough. Like, there's no reason for Vin not to immediately just say, oh yeah, by the way guys, I've also seen something weird related to the mists. It's not that implausible. Literally the Lord Ruler uh, diary that we were reading that isn't really by the Lord Ruler describes the exact same thing happening. The last time the deepness was like rising or whatever seems very plausible that killing the Lord Ruler has freed the deepness or something and this is what this is. It's very tangible. It attacked me. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't tell you guys this before, to be honest. But now that Sazed has shown up with more confirmation, it's clear that I'm not crazy and this is exactly what's going on. While not crazy, however, I could be possessed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm less and she's, less... She's not possessed. It's, yeah. We both know that. It's fine. Yeah. Um, what would you say your least favorite part was? Um, yeah, again, that's a little tough for this one I mean I would be tempted to just say the same thing Hmm. but I kind of feel like that's cheating I'm trying to think is there anything different that I could I could pick out that irritated me I will say the other thing I considered was the way that they just assume that justice is crazy and they can't deal with him that really frustrated me I don't know if that bothered you as much though I'm going to go with just everyone's kind of dismissal of what Sazed is saying. Hmm. Because, yeah, we we have a lens perspective and he goes, Sazed is not a man to be dismissed, but at the same time I'm going to dismiss him kind of anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They don't really seem to take this as seriously as they clearly should. Um, yeah, so I, I'd, I'd take that. What would be your favorite thing? <sighs> I... There's, again, there's a lot to like in this chapter. I'm going to go with the way that it builds up the Colos as like this tangible threat. I don't know. It, I, I liked that this chapter made them feel scarier than I think they had up to this point. Yeah. Just the way that Elan seems so intimidated by them and we hear more about you know how difficult they are to control and how they've killed armies and stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I definitely felt like it ratcheted the tension up a bit. Yeah. Uh, and what was your favorite? 
What? I I think you know what it's going to be. Oh, no. It has to be. It has to be. Is it the amazing romance? It's the amazing romance between Tinville and Sazed. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I already have a whole story written in my head about them. Their, their romance, how, how it got to this point where Sazed is pulling his hand away when she takes his, you know? Hmm. There's a, there's a clear past relationship there. I think it's, 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 it's beyond doubt. You can, you can actually put that down as a prediction that they're exes. I will, I will. Okay. <laughs> okay, mailbox time. Yeah. So, usual comment from RetroRocket24. So, as usual, they make a, a number of points here, and I'm only going to cover some of them, so if you want to see the whole comment, you can find it on the Mistborn subreddit. But the first point that they made that I want to talk about is regarding our suggestion last week that Vin might have been sensing the Colossus when she found that mysterious pulsing. Uh, they point out that the Colossus are pretty far away at this point. They're a week's travel away, however far that is. Yeah. Now, in fairness, there are a lot of them. So... Maybe it's plausible, but that does seem very far, admittedly. Yeah, funnily, even though it was my prediction that she might be sensing the deepness, I'm pretty sure, I think I gave that a lower percentage. Hmm. I'm not 100% sure why I did that. I just, like, felt... Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I I felt that they were just both a little... I did put a higher number on the deepness being what she was sensing, just because we we know that the uh, Hero of Ages guy, Elendi could sense the deepness yeah. in a sort of a pulsing way. Yeah, I think that was why I said it the first time. Maybe I just need to lower my Carlos prediction rather than raise my Yeah, no, deepness. I do th- I do think it's plausible. I mean, we we've got some we've got a mysterious magical thing coming towards the city. Vin doesn't know about it yet, but we do, and she senses some mysterious thing in the distance. Seems plausible that's what she's sensing, right? Let's see. Uh, so they talk about the age of what's her face. I've already forgotten her name. Seth's daughter. Uh, Alrein. Yeah. So uh, they point out that we only get a lens guess as, as to her age. We don't actually get that. And uh, they actually tell us what her age is confirmed to be later on. I do consider this a slight spoiler. Like it's very, I don't. it's incredibly minor. I but, don't consider that spoiler at all. Uh, I, I really some of our listeners if they're reading along might not want to know it so I'm not going to say what the, what the answer is but uh, that is a good point regardless that we did only get Elen's idea of her age yeah this is you know this is something that happens a lot in stories you know even <laughs> it's it's even, how often does a person explicitly tell you their age you get what someone's impression of their age is even earlier we were talking about uh, Tinbell and it's Elen that's thinking true. that she is perhaps 50. Yeah, that's true. She could easily be younger. She could be older. We don't really know. We know she has a tragic background. Perhaps she was hardened by some tragedy. Could be. Could be. And that would make her the perfect age for Sazed. Possibly. <laughs> uh, they talk about the unplanned female attachments line, where I think it was Breeze said... 
Oh, I thought we... No, it wasn't Brie. It was... It was I can't remember who it was. So, so, someone said... I think it might have been Ham or Dobson. Someone, someone said, oh, I thought with, with without Kelsier, we'd finally have, have be done with these unplanned female attachments following us around. Uh, they point out that maybe this was a reference to Vin <laughs> being the, the, stray, the stray puppy that was following Kelsier around, yeah. as it were. Uh, they they don't use that with phrasing. <laughs> yeah, this is if that is what they meant. That's a real. That's that's, that's a low blow. It's very uncalled for, considering Vin could murder any one of them if she ever felt like it. <laughs> I wouldn't be getting on her nerves too much, personally. Um, um, and so, this isn't really like a, a point about the 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 text. But it is a point about our episodes. So they were taken a little by surprise when 12 minutes in, we, the chapter ended. Uh, now, look, <laughs> I do, I, I, like, it's, it's, in the, it's in the chapter, the, uh, the episode titles and stuff, what chapters we're covering, we say it at the beginning. But, yeah, I do sometimes worry that, like, a lot of podcasts that do this will make sure that they know in advance so that they can say at the end of an episode what they're covering next episode. We don't do that in part because we don't have someone who's read ahead who can decide in advance. You know, I mean, if, let's put it this way. Think how disappointed you guys would have been if we had cut the episode at 12 minutes and that was the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think this is a reasonable balance. If people are reading along and you are finding this annoying, you know, feel free to, to tell us that. But um, alternatively, if someone who's read the whole book is willing to like tell us which chapters are likely to to need this which are the juicy chapters and which are the the bare bones yeah there is so there's a podcast just started i believe it's called it makes sense if you understand probability theory it's covering a series called plane crash uh anyway i'm in the discord for that having read that series i've been actually one of the the many people who's been hoping to figure out a little bit what they should read because neither of them have have read ahead either uh so they're they're relying on fans to submit basically instructions on how far ahead to read for each episode to get roughly the right length um i I would be open to that if we have any volunteers but um oh they make an interesting point so orisor talked about there having been more alamancers in the past but it's possible that it's more that there were the same amount of alamancers but divided among Less, Less people, people because for whatever reason. Population growth. Yeah, I mean, so the example that springs to mind when I think about that possibility is Avatar The Last Airbender, where you've got the the four tribes or whatever, four nations, and each of them has the same number of benders, but they have different populations. So, like, the airbenders are all airbenders, the air nation or whatever, are all airbenders. Whereas the other one, I think I think the Earth Kingdom are the one who have the, like a really big population, but they still have the same number of benders, so they're still roughly equal in strength, kind of. Uh, I don't know. I that like that's just a, an interesting way that this could work. Um, they also t- point out that it seems plausible that the the bloodline has been diluted over time. Yeah, we don't know too much about how this dilution works. I do think it's notable that Vin who has one parent who's Ska or something 
is still considered extremely like pure blooded and is very powerful. Yeah. Which would suggest that it doesn't dilute that way, probably. But it must dilute somehow, or else how are there people with less pure bloodlines? Indeed. They also mentioned that this is what or chapter 22 was one of their top three chapters that they mentioned in mm. a previous post. Mm. And I think that's fair because it was a very good chapter. It was a good chapter. Um, I guess maybe it is worth noting. So they, they, they talk in several places in their comment about how great Vin's like speech sort of where she, she figures out what's going on with Orosaur. Yeah. And sort of starts to relate to him was. I do actually agree that I, I don't think I made that my favorite necessarily. I can't remember actually what my favorite was for that chapter, but... It was that was a really cool moment. It might have actually been my favorite. I don't remember. <laughs> um, that was a really cool moment. So I could definitely see why that would be, like, one of their favorite chapters. Yeah. No, it was a good chapter, and it was a, a good speech. And they mentioned that Sanderson does a similar sort of type of speech a couple a couple of the times in his other books, and that there are always standout moments. Hmm. So it's clearly. A skill of his. <sighs> yeah. I'm, we're basically at the end of the episode here, but I'm just staring at their discussion of, like, Mistborn genetics a bit. Because it, it really is so mysterious. We still don't have any real idea how they, they work. Zane, who seems like he's pretty powerful, his father is a misting. Kelsier's brother was a misting. Presumably has the exact same share of, like, misborn genes. I mean, you know, like, on average. Unless they're uh, half-brothers. Like, they're... I don't think they are, but they're... I mean, I'm not saying that, like, they would have gotten the exact same proportion, but they're, they're brothers. They're pretty closely related. <laughs> and... Yeah, and yet, his brother is only a misting, and not even, like, one of the better mistings. I don't know if that matters. <laughs> There's, there's no in between between being a misborn and being a misting. It seems like, right? Yeah. You've only, you've only, you've either got one medal or you've got them all. So I don't know. It, it's not like there's a gene for each medal that a misborn is someone who's got all of them to get combined. But yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sure we'll we'll get answers to this at some point. But considering what a load bearing element of the world it is, it is a little surprising even that we haven't gotten answers to this yet. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's the end of the episode. So, as always, if you want to be featured in this uh, little segment at the end where we discuss comments, then you can send them to us directly if you want by email. Our po- our email address is podcastyoungadult at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter, at podyoungadult. And we post all of these episodes on Reddit, on r slash misborn. Misborn subreddit, so you can find us there. And of course, there's a lot of different apps and things where this we have this podcast. So if you want to leave us a comment there, that's great, and it helps spread the podcast to other people as well, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so good night, and thank you for listening.